96.5 KLH, good morning. Dave and Doreen along with Marcus. Time to talk Packer football. With our Green and Gold Insider, three-time Wisconsin Sports Writer of the Year, co-host of Wilde and Tausch on ESPN Radio, Jason Wilde, good morning. How you doing today, Jason? I am outstanding. How are you guys? Excellent. We're good. I'm going to start with an email that came in for you from a woman named Mary. And the subject line says, Jason Wildey's twin. Okay, you ready? Oh, this, and wait a minute. She is? I feel bad for her. No, huh. no, but her husband is. Okay. Uh, I thought, writes Mary, my husband was the only man with this obsession about tire tracks on the driveway. <laughs> and then I heard Jason Wildey say how much he hates it too. I love the show. P.S. I'm glad Jason's Packer prediction was wrong. Listen all the time, Mary. Thank you. Thank you, Mary. So uh, for those who were not listening, last week we found out that Jason Wildey's obsession is so deeply rooted that Paula actually told him he should get out there and shovel if he wants to because she was about ready to drive on the driveway with snow. And And he did. It's going to drive him nuts. But you did it. Yeah, and we've we've lost control of the driveway with all the snow that we got. It just was out of hand. It it frustrates me every time I look out the window now. Okay, well, don't do that. Don't look out. All right, so have you... When you were watching the game, have you ever had that moment where you're thinking, I can't believe they're doing this well? Because I certainly, I think we all had that moment. So uh, so Sydney had a volleyball, a club volleyball tournament on Sunday. And so the, they advanced to the championship, which of course was played at like 3.30. Oh. So I, I left after they advanced to the final and ha- came home. You know, I, uh, first of all, I, I traveled for the first 21 of the 28 years I've been covering this team, and it was awesome. But um, this is a tough week if you're going from Dallas to back to Green Bay and now out to San Francisco. So I am not in any way complaining about how I watched the game with me and my cats and the dogs and nobody at home because they were all at the volleyball tournament. But I'm watching the game, and I, I can't believe what I'm seeing either, but there must have been someone at the volleyball game that had it on their phone because all of a sudden I get a text from Paula that says they're winning 27 to nothing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they are. That is not, no one's pulling your leg. That's really what's happening. And, and look, I, I think I said it to you guys. I did not think they were going to win, but I expected it to be a good game. Right. And it turns out, I said, I don't think it's going to be a blowout, meaning that the Dallas Cowboys who had won 16 in a row at home, who were undefeated at home this season, who were averaging 37.4 points per game at home as opposed to 23 points per game on the road, who scored more points in the NFL than any team in the league during the regular season. I did not think they were going to blow the Packers out. I never considered the possibility that the Packers were going to blow them out because 48 to 32, and look, it was not 48-32. Right. Right? They stopped. They wanted to make him use as much clock as possible. I think Matt LaFleur panicked a little bit. He did not need to put his starters back in. The game was in hand, but he got nervous. I get it. But it was 48 to 16. 48 to 16. I know. Ridiculous. And so, no, I, I, I don't know how many times there have been games where I, I was like, I can't believe what I just saw, as Jack Buck famously said. I will say this. The one time, and this was much more emotional of a game, but the one time where I was absolutely stunned was when I was in Oakland in 2003 
and Favre's dad had passed away. And that team went out there and just put it on the Raiders. And Favre was great, but everyone around him lifted him up and made plays that I'd never seen guys make. Wesley Walls was an old tight end who had barely done anything that year, had the most ridiculous diving touchdown catch to get that game started. Uh, that was probably the last time where I was so stunned by what I was seeing. How about Aaron Jones? I mean, do we win that game without his performance? No. No, and, and I had some folks asking me after the game, you know, is this the greatest quarterbacking performance you've ever seen? And, and I, I, I hated the question because I didn't want to denigrate anything that Jordan Love had done. Jordan Love was awesome, right? I mean, he was – the throw that he makes to Wicks for that touchdown. Unbelievable. That, dude, that was amazing. And he holds it a split second just to let that guy get actually a little closer. You know, it's kind of like in the original Top Gun. I'm going to bring him in closer. You're going to do what? <laughs> um, and he throws the ball around him and hits Wicks. It's, uh, it's an unbelievable throw, right? So let me be very, very, very clear. I am not discounting what Love did. But I have seen games where either Favre or Rodgers, they were all they had. Like the running game wasn't doing anything. And they had to throw for 400 yards for the Packers to win. Jordan Love threw for 272 yards. He was 16 of 21, so he was great. Again, he made some awesome throws. I'm not saying it wasn't a great, great, great performance. But this offense goes as Aaron Jones goes. He's had four straight 100-yard games. He's never done that in his career. This is his seventh year. It's the first time he's ever had – I think he'd only had one back-to-back games of 100 yards or more. He is in a fantastic zone, and what a great story that was. You know, he grew up in, in El Paso, Texas. His dad was a Cowboys fan, and his dad kind of indoctrinated him to be a Cowboys fan growing up, and he only got to see his son play there once uh, as a rookie, and his dad passed away in 2021. And for him to talk about how he, you know, he could feel his dad's presence and how much it – I mean, he is – every time he plays the Cowboys, he's awesome. And so uh, it, I don't necessarily always believe in spirits and ghosts, but – I have a feeling Alvin Sr. was there uh, helping his son along on Sunday. So what was more impressive to you, the offensive play calling or how the defense caused Dak Prescott to make so many mistakes? Yeah, if you're if you're hoping that there's going to be someone else running the defense next year, that would probably be your only drawback to this performance because, uh, again, you know, they ended up – the stat sheet looks terrible, right? I mean, the, the, the Cowboys ended up with 510 – total yards of offense. They obviously finished by scoring 32 points, but 16 of the points and 216 of the yards came in the fourth quarter after it was 48 to 16. So they clearly played a fantastic game defensively. Look, you got to give Joe Barry credit, whether you like him, don't like him, think he doesn't know what he's doing, whatever it may be in this game, he dialed up a really good game plan. They changed up their coverages. Uh, he played some man when he needed to, but he played. Uh, they executed zone coverage way better than they had at other points in the season. And you're right. I mean, Dak Prescott had thrown nine interceptions all season long. Like he was a MVP candidate. And in this game, he threw two in the first half, and one got returned, obviously for a pick six touchdown. So the defense was terrific. Uh, other than um, 
Anders Carlson doinking a ball off the upright again. Mm-hmm. Uh, the special teams were good enough, so it was impressive, and now we'll see what they can do uh, when they take their house money to Santa Clara. Did anybody ever figure out what was going on with C.D. Lamb and Dak Prescott? I don't think so. Uh, that was weird, though, right? Was it? Like, it was so great weird. Job by, great job by uh, Greg Olson to kind of notice that and, and bring it up. Now, I didn't like the post-game coverage, which was basically all about how disappointing the Cowboys were and very little about how impressive that it was that this young team with this first-year starting quarterback had done what it did. That I wasn't a huge fan of. But, yeah, it was dysfunctional. There's no doubt about it. I don't know C.D. Lamb at all. Um, it would I would feel like in a game like that, um, you would like uh, your best players to rise above whatever issues they might be having, and they clearly failed to do that. I will say this, though. It reminded me, and you'll, you won't find anyone who likes Devontae Adams more than I do, other than uh, probably his wife and maybe Randall Cobb and a few other people. But it reminded me of the drawbacks, and there, there aren't many, but the drawbacks of having a great number one elite wide receiver because there is a pressure to get him the ball and keep him happy. And I, I think Devontae managed that better than most do. And, and Aaron Rodgers, though, we saw him. I mean, we saw him in that playoff game against San Francisco a couple of years ago. He had a, another guy open, and he forced it to Devontae instead. Um, this Packers team does not have a guy like that. So Jaden Reed, for example, who led them in receptions and receiving yardage and tied for the team leading touchdowns during the regular season, didn't catch a ball. In a game, they scored 48 points. So that tells you how balanced they are and how different this offense functions from a lot of other offenses. One of the good things about this this game, too, was that the Packers seemed to have their full complement of players available. How did we make out injury-wise after the game? Yeah, so you know, Jair Alexander left the game. He re-injured his ankle. Um, I think he's going to be okay. They're obviously going to take a – it's a short week, so they're, getting, they're not going to have a very strenuous week of practice, although he managed to sprain his ankle in a jog-through, which I had never heard of before, and, you know, I've been doing this for a while. Um, so that's a little bit of a concern. Uh, they lost Kingsley and Igbare, who they called JJ, because he grew up loving JJ the jet plane. Uh, what? I don't know if you guys are familiar. Yeah. What is what is JJ the jet plane? That was a PBS JJ show. The jet plane is is basically um, they took the concept of Thomas the tank engine mm-hmm. and made them all airplanes. Yeah. Okay. Right, Doreen. Yes, that's exactly comp? what it is. Yep. Uh, and so uh, that was watched in our house uh, when the girls were younger. Now they're watching uh, Boy Meets World because apparently there's an updated version of that called Girl Meets World. Yes, there Netflix is. Or something. Yeah. Uh, so Paula and, and Sid are getting caught up on that. But yeah, so JJ tore his ACL, it appears. They didn't confirm it yesterday, but uh, mm-hmm. all indications are that's what happened. So they're going to be a little thin in terms of outside pass rushers. They've got Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith, obviously. Uh, then they've got LVM, Lucas Van Ness, their first round pick. And then they've got Brenton Cox, who's a rookie who hasn't played pretty much all year. That's all they've got for pass rushers. And J.J. was playing a lot this season, and so losing him is, is not ideal. Was it out of character for special teams coordinator Rich Basaccia to yell, how about them Cowboys after the game as he walked by their locker room? So he had worked in Dallas for a long time. He's got a lot of history there. He's still got some friends down there. Uh, so I think, I think... That was, um, you know, a guy who 
was giving some of his guys some grief. But yeah, I, I was a little surprised to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, again, the uh, sometimes emotions run hot. He's you know he's my second favorite older Italian guy uh, <laughs> behind you, so I'm not going to criticize him too much. But yeah, I was a little surprised by that. I was too. All right, so Saturday night in San Francisco. What is the coaching, like that whole tree of Shanahan and LaFleur, and you got the guy from the Rams, McVay. Sean McVay. Yeah. Okay, so does that help or hurt Matt LaFleur's cause? Because he clearly knows what the 49ers coaching staff is going to attempt to do. Yeah, I think it's probably a push because they both know each other, right? Now, uh, I will say this. I don't know where that relationship stands because for the longest time, Shanahan was a good friend of his. And then the 49ers, despite it never being officially proven to the NFL and despite the Packers never pursuing uh, an actual tampering claim, because they knew, just like they had with Favre back in the day with the Vikings, it's very hard to prove and you're probably not going to win. But I don't think there's any doubt that Matt LaFleur still believes that Kyle Shanahan was tampering with Rodgers after the 2020 season, trying to get him to be their quarterback. Um, So I think that changed their relationship. It's also interesting because I asked LaFleur last week because obviously McCarthy had completely shut down uh, anybody who wanted to ask about playing the Packers and his history here. Mm-hmm. You know, he said, I'm not going to be part of that drama. I know you guys are going to love it, which I took personally, by the way, given my love for drama. Right. Um, <laughs> especially since he said in Seattle, I'm not in the mood for drama tonight, Jason. Um, <laughs> but he, he, I asked LaFleur, because when they first played San Francisco, afterward he admitted that he allowed the fact that he was going against his buddy Shanahan and Robert Sala and Mike McDaniel and his own brother, Mike LaFleur, that it distracted him, that he didn't handle that game well. And so he took a lot of lessons from that. I don't think that'll be a problem now. He's a much more mature coach. But, yeah, it's it's interesting how that system has proliferated throughout the league. And it'll be interesting to see what they can do. This is a really, really good football team. I know people are excited. And we'll talk more on Thursday about kind of the X's and O's and, and what's realistic. But as I wrote in my story after the game, like, we've counted these guys out, starting with when they traded Aaron Rodgers and leading all the way up until they lost to Tampa Bay uh, on December 17th to fall to 6-8. and eight. There's about eight or ten times we counted these guys out, and they've risen to the occasion time and again. So I, I am very leery to pick against them, even though I think San Francisco is the best team in the NFC. All right, my friend. Thank you so much for the insight. And as you mentioned, we'll talk Thursday morning. I look forward to it, everybody. Take care. Be good. You too. Jason Wildey, our Green and Gold Insider, co-host of Wildey and Tausch on ESPN. And brought to you today by our fine sponsors, Mr. Holland's Home Services. Call 866-992-1717 or mrhollandshomeservices.com. Also brought to you by DJ's Transmissions and Milwaukee Muscle Cars and Restoration. Buying vintage rides and muscle cars. Visit DJ'sTransmissions.com. Jason Wildey, part of the morning, KLH.